The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Hoare, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, August 7, 2022, on the basis of verses from Ecclesiastes, chapters 1 and 2. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. There is a Roman tradition that always stuck out to me when I learned about it first in history class back in high school. Whenever a Roman general would do something particularly great, something particularly noteworthy, if he conquered an enemy, if he defeated a nation, he would receive a parade known as a Roman triumph. It's one of the highest awards you could ever be given. The way it would work was something like this. The general would lead his army through the city of Rome and they would display their spoils and their captives. But the eyes of all the people would be focused on that general. The general would ride in this beautiful chariot pulled by white horses. He would have this golden wreath that would sit on his head. He'd wear this flowing purple robe. His face would be painted red so that he could look like Jupiter, the king of the gods. And that's exactly what this general really was for a day. He was king and god for those 24 hours. But in the middle of this splendid scene, as these crowds were throwing down their rose petals, their praise and adoration on this general, there would always be one other person in that chariot with him. A slave would stand behind the general, and he had one job, and that was to whisper in that general's ear over and over and over again two words, memento mori in Latin, which means remember that you are only human. Remember that you will die. Now I tell you this story not as a subtle, as a subtle hint that I wanted a parade for my going away. Nor am I saying it to you that I've been worked so hard this year that now I am contemplating my death. <laughs> but instead, I tell you this because I think this last year, Vicar year, has been, in a sense, a reminder, a memento mori, a reminder of how quickly life passes, a reminder that we are all only human. Now, Pastor Bauer has not spent the last year whispering in my ear, remember, you are only a vicar. Remember, you only get this one year. But in a sense, I think Morgan and I have been saying that to each other this entire year. When we came here, when we unpacked the boxes, we knew that come this time, this year, we'd have to pack it all up again. And we knew that the people that we would meet here in Mount Horeb, here at Good News, we'd only see them so many times before we'd leave. But as the calendar changed, as the days and the months went by as we finally came down to these final days, as the pictures came down off the walls, as the boxes went up, it really began to set in, right? We are leaving. We're on our way out. And even though we knew this day was coming, we never could have imagined it would come so quickly. And maybe you've had those moments in your life too, right? You blink and suddenly the kids don't look like they do in the pictures on your walls. You go back home to see your parents and they're a little bit older, a little bit more gray, a little slower than what you remember. Right? Our phones and our Facebook news feeds constantly remind us of what things once were like. Right? Five, six, seven years ago, this is what you looked like. This is who you were with. This is where you were 
on this day. And I think those moments really serve as our own memento moris, a reminder of how quickly time flies, of how we really can't keep it with us that long. Things pass us by. Life passes us by. Right, the things and possessions that we love, the people that we love, we can't hold on to them forever. And I think that's a reason why when we think back on good times, they're often tinted with sadness. When we think of the sweet memories, they're often bittersweet. And I think that's why it's hard to say goodbye. Because you realize in that moment that time is passing you by. That life is moving on without you. So what, how do we face this problem? How do we face this problem that life is passing us by? That life is temporary, that the time that we do have together is short? Well, today God offers us an answer from the book of Ecclesiastes, written by Solomon, the wise king. Today, Solomon's words will sound bitter and harsh, but Solomon didn't write these words to burden you. He wrote these words, ultimately, to set us free. Ecclesiastes is a book that maybe we aren't all that familiar with. It's not one that we read from all that often. We don't preach from it all that often, but it's a special book, and it's special because of its author, King Solomon. Here in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon has compiled all of his advice, all of his thoughts on life, and he gives it to you and me. And we absolutely want to listen because by our very own standards, Solomon was a man who had it all. God tells us that Solomon was a very wise man. He knew human nature very well. He wrote thousands of proverbs, thousands of songs. He also knew nature itself pretty well. He was an expert in plants and fish and animal and wildlife. And people would come from near and far just to listen to him speak. He was also extremely rich. Wealth poured into his nation, and he used that wealth to get all sorts of good things for himself. He built a palace for himself. He used that gold and silver and treasure to get pleasure for himself. Wine, women, whatever he wanted, he had and he enjoyed. But he also used his wealth and his wisdom for the good of his nation. Right? He expanded the borders of his father's kingdom as far as they had ever reached. He used his wealth to build cities and towns, to rebuild cities and towns, to take on these building projects, to fix reservoirs and make parks. And by our very own standards, Solomon would seem to be the person to listen to. Right? He's the guy who has been there, done that. He is Bill Gates and Albert Einstein and George Washington for his country, all wrapped up into one. So what is the advice that Solomon has to give you about life? What is his conclusion when he looked at life? You heard the words today. Meaningless, meaningless, utterless, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. And we might protest. We might say, Solomon, life isn't meaningless, right? We find meaning in the world around us. We can find meaning everywhere right, in the people that we help, in the responsibilities that we have, in the challenges that we overcome. We might add to that list, right, accomplishments and success, the people that we love, family, friends, life, enjoyment, the happy moments in life. And we can certainly find happiness in those things. I think Solomon would agree, right? There is something special about that satisfaction we get after a long day of work and kicking up your feet 
to rest, right? Looking at the work that you've done and know that you reached your goal, that you accomplished what you wanted, right? There's something special there, right? We beam with pride at what our children do and we would admit that we find happiness in what they do. We find happiness and satisfaction in the moments that we get with our loved ones, with our family and friends, right? We know there is something special there. And Solomon isn't saying that those things aren't good things. He's not saying that we can't be happy in this life. But Solomon points us to the big picture, which is this, that all good things in this life run out. There's nothing new under the sun, right? The sun rises and sets, the wind blows here and there, rivers ebb and flow, people come and go, and time moves on, but we don't go on, right? Our possessions and the things that we own will outlive us. Our children, God willing, will outlive us. Our picture books and our scrapbooks will outlive us. But they won't outlive us by very long. The legacies that we leave behind, the footprints we try to leave behind, the impacts that we have on others will quickly be washed away with time. Generations come and go, Solomon tells us. The older generations were forgotten, and the newer generations will be forgotten too. And Solomon is absolutely right. Studies have shown that it only takes three to four generations for family history to be lost. And there's a way for you to test this. How many of you can name all eight of your great-grandparents? Right? How many of our great-grandchildren will be able to name us? And even if they are able to name us, how much will they really know about us? And even if we etch our names into stone, even if we leave our names everywhere in this world, when people see our names, will they really care? Right? Billions of people come and go Nobody remembers. Nobody cares. And the reason why our names and our memories and our legacies can be wiped away so quickly is because our days here on earth are so short. In the words of one author, our, words are, uh, our lives are absurdly, insultingly, terrifyingly short. He did the math, right? If you live to be 80, how long will your life really be? 4,000 weeks. That's it. If you live to be 90, 4,700. And that's just the total. How many weeks have you already lived? How many weeks do you have left? And we understand this, don't we? We know that time is running out. We know that the clock is ticking. Right? We know that all things will come to an end soon. When we look at our lives, when we look at time, that's why we stress and are anxious. That's why we try to manage and compartmentalize our time with schedules. That's why we say things like time is money, time is gold. That's why we chastise our children for wasting time. That's why we chastise ourselves for wasting time. Because we know that at the end of the day, if time really is money, then we are all quickly going bankrupt. And that's what Solomon's point really is. If our legacies, if the impacts that we leave, if our moments here on earth will all be washed away with time, then what is the point? Why do the things that you do really matter? You can be as wise as Solomon, but you'll reach the same end that he did, right? The wise and the foolish both go out the same way. You can be as industrious, as hardworking, as productive as he was, but what's the point? Someday you'll pass on your company, your work, 
your life's legacy and and work on to someone else. You'll pass on your riches, your possessions to someone who did not work for them, for someone who doesn't deserve them. And that's why Solomon came to that conclusion. Meaningless, meaningless, utterly meaningless, a chasing after the wind. And I can understand if that's not a message that we would really want to hear. The world doesn't like to hear that message. We don't see a lot of signs in houses that say life is meaningless. We don't see a lot of t-shirts that say live, laugh, meaningless. Right? Life, a life that is meaningless, a life that is sad, a life that is like that, without meaning, without significance, without hope, is crushing and depressing. But Solomon tells us that that's the case if life under the sun is all there is. And we know that life under the sun is not all there is. Solomon didn't write these words to burden us, to crush us, to depress us. He wrote these words to point us to what really matters, to what is really, truly significant, to set us free. And he does that by pointing to those same things that he called insignificant and meaningless before. Right, the satisfaction you get after a hard day's work, a cool, refreshing drink, a nice meal, things that are pleasurable, things that are enjoyable. That's what Solomon points to. Where do these things come from? Right, they come from above. They come from our Heavenly Father who gives us these gifts. Solomon laments the fact that he worked and worked and built up this whole kingdom, and when he dies, he'll have to pass this on to someone else who did not work for it. But that's exactly what God does for us. He gives to people who do not deserve it. He gives us his blessings, his gifts, his kingdom. Right? We can all look at our own lives and see the blessings that have been poured out on us, things that we could never even imagine having, and yet we have, things that we know we don't deserve, and yet we get to enjoy. And of course, that the greatest gift that God has given us, we find in Jesus. Right? In Jesus, God opens his hands and he does the work for us. Jesus toils for us. He sweats. He bleeds for us. He gives us his own time in order to tie us to eternity, in order to make us his own, in order to give us more than just 4,000 weeks here on this earth. And that's what these good things that God gives are really about. That's what they're really for. They're not meant to remind us that life is fleeting, that life is temporary. No, they point us ahead. They remind us that the God who gives us good things in this life has promised to give you infinitely more good things in the life to come. Right, right here under the sun, we toil and we stress and we worry about things, but God promises that the day is coming when he will be our sun. He will be our light. He will be the one, the source of all and every good things. So what does that mean for life today? Well, it means that you can rest. It means that you can kick up your feet after a long day at work and take satisfaction in your work because God has given that as a blessing, as a gift to you. It means that you can enjoy the pleasures of life, good food, good drink, times with family and friends, and know that that's another gift that God has given you from his own hands. God wants you to have those things. It means that you don't have to look over your shoulder constantly checking your watch, obsessing over lost time, obsessing over saving every last second. Because you know that 4,000 weeks, whatever time you do have, is not all that you have. 
And finally, it means that we can say goodbye to friends, to family, to the people that we love, and yes, maybe even to Vickers. Because the 52 weeks that we get out of the 4,000 weeks that we have is not all that we have, right? These things are not <laughs> memento moris. They don't point us to the fact that we are flying away, that we are dying. No, they point us to the fact that we will live, that the God who has given us so much in this life to enjoy and to have will give us more in the life to come. The God who gives us good things here and now will give us more and better in the life 